Hi, and welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas. The Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. Folks really hadn't thought about vote by mail or suppression or how that happens um, before, but now that we're seeing elections need to, like there need to be options, there needs to be yeah. vote by mail option, there needs to be some online, at least for registration or requesting your ballot, et cetera, things that we don't have here in Texas. Um, but like, but people now see like what happened in Wisconsin, we were in the middle of a text bank and we had to change our script telling voters about you know how to vote because oh the my gosh. right in the middle and so that just makes it so difficult and so now it's like we've got this 2020 election we have the misinformation campaigns that we know that are spreading we have like serious issues with access to voting um across all across the country and we've got some primaries you know still to come and, and you know, we've got the runoff election now here in texas um yeah. early the thing started on monday but we just, you know, it's it's about being informed and it's it's so difficult. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, hanging in there like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Are you stuck um are you working from home or how how is that working for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. It's so. interesting. Our entire team. I was already a remote person, but just yeah everybody being remote and then not going anywhere like that's a lot but Ab absolutely yeah we we did the same thing i mean we had a studio that we recorded off of in um off south congress and mm -hmm. yeah got to start you know had to start doing it from home same sort of thing um so yeah well hopefully um you're in austin right are you in austin i am, I am yeah. In austin, yeah yeah so they might be doing maybe another um, shutdown, right? Uh, that's that's. I'm hearing murmurs. You know, I don't see how they don't. To be honest, you know, it's like when we were hearing about just the parks being closed this weekend. I'm like, I kind of bet they don't reopen again. Yeah, yeah, especially Fourth of July, right? That that uh, had my wife and I very worried. Um, right? I mean, just ugh, the thought of that um, filling up the bars and and restaurants. Um, and I'm a, you know, I'm a restaurant person. Um, so this is a tough thing for me to say, to be honest with you. Um, it's a tough battle, um, between friends that have businesses and they're struggling with it too. Do I open? Is it safe? You know, we're taking all the precautions we can, but you can only go so far. It involves the other person too, the customer that comes in, they have to respect those rules as well. Otherwise it does no good. I'm seeing all these stories of people pushing back against wearing a mask inside, you know, whatever, just giving, you know, people that are working, um, hassle and stuff. So yeah, that, that does bother me. I don't know. Just so crazy. I'm with you. I mean, I, you know, love restaurants. I've lived, you know, I'm from San Antonio, but lived in Houston for a year and lived here in Austin about six years. And, you know, you just, they become like your family and you just have yeah. your issues. I mean, like we, my, my boyfriend and I, we like, we have these three fruit food trucks that we frequent. And then like, this is the place we get our breakfast tacos and this is the place we get everything, right? And so even just seeing them struggle or hearing about restaurants shutting down. We used to love to go to um, Shady Grove, walking over to ACL. And oh, that yeah. was a heartbreaker. 
Oh, my super heartbreaker. I had my food truck. I had a food truck called Boca in, in Austin for about five years. And we were right down the street from them for the first two years um, off Lamar, right behind Tom's Market there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just d- devastating. It has been. It has yeah. been. I know. I saw some interview with Tom Colicchio and where he said, like, you know, if 75% of the businesses that have to close, like, you know, come back, that'll be a miracle because likely it's going to be half that don't, you know? And so it was just, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, restaurants already, you know, operate on a very thin margin to begin with. Right. And so when you add in these other factors, it's almost impossible to make a profit. I mean, it really truly is. Um, And then on top of that, if you were already semi struggling before the pandemic, it's and and that's half of restaurants are semi struggling to be honest with you all the time um, especially in so, yeah. Austin where there's you know there's so many and there's you know yeah, yeah. a lot that's of a options and that's you know i think where we were too of just you know i mean i i i'm not going to lie being able to pick up franklin and ramen has not been a bad thing in our lives <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that is true that's a good point <laughs> yeah. i know that's like super privileged <laughs> Like not for primetime comment, um, but yeah, but you know, and then just trying to support all the restaurants that you know are giving what they can. And, you know, that's one thing that like we've really tried to keep an eye on um, and, you know, just trying to order directly from the restaurant and, you know, go pick it up, you know, tip them directly. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I try to reiterate the most I can on the podcast, actually, for people that it is safe to go get takeout. I think, Um, you know, pick the right places, look online, find in the groups from people that have been and and said, hey, this is a good place to go. I think that's a good, um, you know, defining term because there probably are some places that maybe aren't respecting it and you'll hear about it. So, you know, support those other places. I think it's completely safe to go and kitchens and restaurants already you know, take a lot of precautions to begin with, to be honest with you, if it's a good place. I mean, I know the way I ran my kitchens, it was, you know, cleanliness is just the first thing they teach you Mm -hmm. in a kitchen is they teach you two things, taste everything and keep your station clean. It's like, that's, that's the two rules. So, you know, I think it's, it's comfortable for people um, to, you know, to get that and go, what, what are those, um, what were those food trucks that you, that you like to go to? I'm curious. So uh, we live um, really close to um, South First. So that food yeah. truck park there on South First with Little Thai and um, Amidaba and Austin Foodie Moody, like we frequent those peeps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know that. I know that park. Yeah, the man at Bombay Dava was like, you get the same thing every time. You don't want to try anything else. I'm like, I'm sorry. I found what works for me. <laughs> Don't make fun of my Chana masala order. <laughs> That's funny. That is hilarious. That's yeah. he, even even him trying to like, hey, don't you? Are you sure you don't want to try something? I have other stuff. Yeah. Like, I know the Austin foodie moody guy. He like will give us like some falafels or like different things to try. Some like pickled vegetables that he made that were awesome. <laughs> That's so that's great. That's that, you know, but that's our job. Um, I used to do that stuff too. Um, you know, yeah. all the time. To be honest, are you sure? You, oh, why don't you try that? Why don't you give this a? You know, you you think it's just gonna help you keep them coming back, really? But honestly, like you said, I mean, if you think about it, they're coming back. They're already there. They're they're getting that dish because they because they like it. I've definitely used to have people that would come, and I already knew what they wanted, and I would 
as soon yeah. as I saw them walking up, I already started making it, right. you know, and would have it almost ready for them, you know, or they send me a quick text. I was only few people would I give out my number for something like that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> be, we, we do have some cell phone numbers. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you, you go a place long enough. That's the kind of hookup you get yeah. and you should, it's, it's, uh, you know, that, that's the way it works. So yeah, yeah, right on. Well, good. Um, yeah, those are those are good places. And food trucks need a lot of um, support right now, too. I think they're getting forgotten about because I see people talking about restaurants and bars a ton. Yeah. Um, but nobody's really mentioning food trucks. So they're still open. They're still I out mean, there doing their thing. Us, huge. So we're from San Antonio. So like this breakfast taco war is real. We know it's real. Boy, and, you're not joking. Uh, I'm from San Antonio. So I'm, I'm sticking with my hometown. But, um, you know, not deviating, but I have found also on sale first, um, Flavia's Kitchen. So this woman, Flavia, and her two daughters, they have, I mean, like, really authentic, but they'll still give you, like, a potato and egg taco with cheese and sure. an egg, um, but really, really fantastic food. And they had to close for a little while, and I was following them on Instagram, and people were posting, like, Will you do catering? <laughs> <laughs> like, please, please. Because I can't get in my kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> like, people are like, when are you coming back? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what food will do to you, right? You right. find a good place. Um, yeah, oh, that's crazy. Do you, do you cook at home a lot? Do you like to cook at home? I've started to um, because it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, we can eat out every single day because, you know, we're luckily both work from home and, uh, you know, still have our jobs. But if we want to keep our cholesterol level at a like normal rate, <laughs> <laughs> then we probably do some more. So I have, I've been, I learned how to make uh, the New York Times marinara sauce, which I'm sure my boyfriend is sick of because I'm like, oh, hey, interesting. But I found something that I know how to do. So we're having it once a week, buddy. Too bad. <laughs> we're having it once a week. I love it. Like, <laughs> Tuesday marinara night. Get used to it. I know. He's like, right. can't you make a tray of enchiladas? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm making New York Times marinara. <laughs> that is hilarious. Gosh. Yeah, I cook at home a lot, um, obviously. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess not obviously, um, but yeah, right. I do cook a lot. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, you know, it's interesting with the breakfast, you mentioned the breakfast taco thing. It's, uh, it is very true. I actually did like a battle of the breakfast tacos one time against a couple food trucks from san antonio mm -hmm. you know and they beat me i'm not i'll say it here they beat me the vote the vote was not for boca was not for me um they they just won um i didn't really grow up with breakfast tacos to be honest with like my mom's from mexico city so mm -hmm. i grew up with tacos and and whatever but they don't serve really breakfast tacos in in mm -hmm. mexico right they'll give you the eggs and stuff on the side with some jamon york and okay. then you got your tortillas that you just roll up and yeah pop 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 go to town so uh but i love the breakfast taco thing i mean you can't go wrong with the taco period you really uh, can't i know right I like that you know working at super majority and having you know really colleagues from all over the country and you know many of them in, in dc and new york and like having to go to dc so often I was like, oh God, like this breakfast taco thing. Like, you know, if I had a really long stint, I would be like buying my own stuff and <laughs> to DC. But, you know, when I bring them here, like to Texas, it is like, here are the restaurants. Like, here's where you need to get some barbecue. Here's where you need yeah. to go get breakfast tacos. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, 
you got to get your staples. That's interesting. So it's like food is just much more a part of the life than maybe it is there. It's there. It's more just like on the schedule, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they really are. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I think that because DC is so diverse and they've just got cultures from all around the world, like you know, you're gonna get great Ethiopian food in DC. Like, you're yeah, gonna, that's true. If you're gonna get better Vietnamese food in Houston than you are gonna get in DC. So I mean, it's like those nuances. But you know, they like their food. They're just not. It seems very rushed. Like there are yeah. like fine dining places that I feel like are more, and then like the food scene, like food truck scene. I feel like there is, is has gotten bigger, and I see would see people like there would be a line of food trucks, like you know on K Street or whatever. But oh, right on. It's not. It's not one of those things. Like you're in DC, you have to have this. Hundred percent. Right? I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I used to go to. I used to live in Philadelphia, uh, but it's been a while. In my late twenties, um, and we would. I would go down to DC and um, and eat or whatever. But again, it just never felt like. I mean, mm-hmm. Philly was like a place to eat. New York City was a place to get uh, great food. But it, what nobody ever, any of my friends were like, we got to go to DC and get some, you know, food. Like nobody ever said that one time. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it's just a different energy. Um, I guess it is uh, for whatever reason. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, Supermajority. I've been doing a lot of research on this um, and it's, you know, as a man, like I, I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Obviously, um, I talk to my wife a lot about it, to be honest with you. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm just super excited to talk to you about it and, and sort of get to what this is about, what people can do to support it, what men can do to support this cause. Um, I'm curious about as well. Um, so yeah, I'll just sort of let you take the reins here. Maybe we can start with how it launched because it's pretty, it just launched, right? So yeah, no, it did. Um, we turned one in on April the 29th. So not long ago, right? That we've been in, I continue to call, like, I feel like it resonates more with people when I'm like, we're a startup. They're like, oh, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. I'm like, okay, Austin people. Um, but for um, Supermajority, really the the like premise that Cecile Richards, Aijin Pu, Alicia Garza, we're really thinking about is that women, uh, the majority of voters, are the majority of donors to political campaigns or the majority of volunteers many times, but don't have political power. So even though all of our work is going into really like the wheels of the political environment, the power does not exist. So what does it, what do we need? What does it mean to build political power for women? And every time I'm talking to my family in San Antonio about like, what are you doing again, Mia? It's like (laughs) building political power for women. (laughs) This is is how we can, like, I really, you know, the, the short and sweet of it, but you know, and we believe that, you know, come November, women are gonna be the vast majority of voters, especially women of color and black women. And so for us, this is, an opportunity through supermajority to give them the resources, to give them the tools um, to talk to their friends, talk to their families, talk to the women in their lives um, about voting, about the importance of voting, about participation, so that we are then building the largest woman-to-woman voter contact program in the country. And when we do mobilize and win and, and have been able to like demonstrate, you know, here is what we stand for, 
um, that that accountability for elected officials, um, I can't tell you how many times, and I saw it um, you know, on the Betho Senate campaign as well, where it was just like all of these women that were just driving and driving and like hitting the pavement like every single day. Um, you know, we need to have a values platform that we're then saying, okay, now that we've got you elected in office, you need to be making sure that you're passing policies that improve the lives of women, that childcare and elder care, that we are safe at work, that we are paid equally and fairly, um, yeah. that we have access to the healthcare that we need uh, without barriers. Um, and that these are, you know, like in order to win the votes of women, in order to, you know, have women do this work for you, that you are really standing on these principles. So it really is a twofold of not just gaining really political power, but also access to uh, really what we deserve, and that is gender equity. Absolutely. I mean, 100%. It's crazy to me that anybody would be against something like that, like in my mind, but there are, right? There's probably even women against this cause, Mm -hmm. right? Is that not crazy? It it is. I mean, and and I, that's one thing that we talk about a lot because we are, um, you know, we're, we're launching a variety of different programs, which I'll get into as well, but really addressing sexism within women is, and when you think about 2016 and how much of that existed in the presidential race and, or you've seen it even in local races. Yeah. No. And, and we know that you have to ask a woman to run for office at least eight times before she'll say yes for a man. It's two to three. Um, And that's really just questioning Am I qualified enough? Am I prepared enough? Do I know enough? We even see in polling when you ask women why they didn't vote is that they didn't feel informed about the candidates. They didn't want to make an uninformed decision. Wow. And so, right. So, I mean, it's just, it, it is really so much of that, like getting out the information, making sure that it is accessible. It's not scary. It's not, you know, I think that a lot of times people think about activism as protesting in the streets. Yeah. Um, that that really being active is being you know knowledgeable, knowing about the issues, knowing about the candidates, and sharing that information. A big part of our program is relational organizing. Um, we have one of our another one of our co-founders, uh, Jess Morales Raquetto, talks about the fact that she was the um, um, one of the vote directors for the Hillary Clinton campaign in eighteen, and she was like, I was traveling the country, getting people to get out to vote for <laughs> for Secretary Clinton, and I couldn't get my mom to vote. Like, you know, the amount of work sometimes that you have to do, like with your own family, with your own friends in your circles. So like we have um, this training opportunity to really, how do you have those conversations and how do you do so in a way that, you know, is not, not threatening for you and not threatening for the, you know, the person that you're talking to, but these are real situations. And obviously 2020 is very different. Um, But at the same time, I think that, you know, we cannot take for granted or underestimate that people still need to be talked to. They still need the information um, in order to get out to vote. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, it's about, it's about informing yourself, but again, it's probably a two way street, right? You also need the other person to want to do it. Um, And I guess if it's easier for them to learn or they feel they trust the facts. I think that's a big thing right now is that people are having a tough time trusting the news or things that they read or hear. And I, I don't know, has that sort of fake news culture, has that affected y'all in some way? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, and I think that the way um, in which what we saw a lot is the way that um, women candidates are treated as well. Um, yeah, in 100%. Regard to, you know, the way that they dress or how many years they have over someone doing a split, you know, a, a job when you would have never asked a man that same question. So I think that both in the candidacy and also in, you know, what women think and feel about issues. So many assumptions made instead of really asking women, like put more women of color and black women on TV when you're having guests, right? Like make sure that yeah. there is that representation. But uh, we are launching actually next month. No, this month. I'm like, how is it July already? <laughs> really, you're right. Because you're right. Just, all of the days, all of the days. Just <laughs> um, but we're launching a, a training program for emerging leaders that we're calling Majority Leaders. And it is really for, <clears throat> young, I, I say, younger women, um, women under 40, really, who are um, really interested in getting involved maybe for the first time or they've, you know, done some stuff. Maybe they volunteered, maybe they've made some phone calls um, about getting out the vote, but they want to learn how to do more. So we have a full training series for them really about this relational organizing that I've been talking about, um, about how you center women of color, um, like really practice as opposed to jargon. I feel like, especially now with, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and police brutality and, you know, how are we, you know, showing up in this moment and, and yeah. being like very thoughtful, authentic and intentional in the way that we are in the way that we are showing up. Uh, but then also looking at this misinformation um, and how to how to dismantle it. And I think that it's, you know, difficult. We had a another one of our staff, you know, people we were talking about this training who said, yeah, I just got like a horrible like incorrect false article from one of my aunts that was you know like how where did she see this how, how could she have you know posted this like i've even like my mom has sent me stuff and said like is this really the biden campaign or is this the trolls i'm like oh my god oh, man. Like, it's just you just don't know and so really as much as we can educate ourselves about that is so important and then we have a module as well around voting rights and um the 19th Amendment, as you know, uh, women's suffrage, 100th year anniversary this year. However, it was only white women. Um, so really lifting up and recognizing that not all women were able to vote at that time yeah. um, and, and looking at our, our voting rights. And I think that now more than ever, folks are becoming more aware about access to the polls. Like, you know, I think that there's been a really a right wing narrative around voter fraud um, but when you look at, you know, the actual instances of that via bail, it's, it's really so small, but like when you, it's all about the narrative and what people think that it, you know, about voting by mail. Um, but folks really hadn't thought about vote by mail or suppression or how that happens, um, before, but now that we're seeing elections need to, like there need to be options, there needs to be yeah. vote by mail option, there needs to be some online, at least for registration or requesting your ballot, et cetera, things that we don't have here in Texas. Um, but like, but people now see like what happened in Wisconsin, we were in the middle of a text bank and we had to change our script telling voters about, you know, how to vote because oh the my gosh. right in the middle and so that just makes it so difficult. And so now it's like, we've got this 2020 election. We have the misinformation campaigns that we know that are spreading. We have like serious issues with access to voting. 
um, across, all across the country. And we've got some primaries, you know, still to come. And, and you know, we've got the runoff election now here in Texas. Um, yeah. Early voting started on Monday. But we just, you know, it's, it's about being informed. And it's, it's so difficult nowadays. So we're just hoping with this Emerging Leaders Program and having, you know, a thousand women from all over the country participating who are able then to talk to their family and friends who are able to, you know, I just kind of feel like this is just a, you know, the, the domino effect or the, you know, snowflake effect of like, how many people are you then touching once you're informed? Absolutely. I mean, that's where it starts, right? That's where the real change happens. It's almost there at the dinner table, right? Where those real conversations happen. Yeah, totally. And, and I think that it's, you know, people feel like the time is very polarizing right now, but like in, you know, polling that I've seen or focus groups that I've, that I've witnessed, I think that there is, you know, whether people are, you know, high propensity voters or haven't voted a whole lot, or, you know, maybe just voted in the last election. And that was the first one. Like we can't assume that people have a certain position because I think that there are values that we all like stand on, you yeah. know, and that is, that is access to, to healthcare and really, you know, it is economic and making sure. And I feel for moms and teachers right now, the most, because not knowing what is going to happen with school um, about the reopening, what is that going to look like? Um, yeah. And then also access to childcare of, you know, if we have to shut down again here in Texas, I mean, who all was able to like, all right, I got to go back to work, you know, putting my kid in daycare. And then if daycare's closed, restaurant closes, like all of the just shifts and adjustments yeah. that have to be made, you know, people are really engaged. I think that, you know, the government is impacting folks' lives now like they never had before. When people would say like, oh, I don't know that my vote is really going to make a difference. I think now they understand the connection or like what is going to change about my life if this person is elected. I mean, it's it's from local all the way to, you know, the White House now that yeah. it has to be evident. That's, that's my personal theory anyway, based on yeah. the information that I've seen. But they have a connection now. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. Um, is there, has there been, you know, pushback? Where, where have you gotten pushback from, from people? H- has it been from, I don't know, are there any groups or men or I- I'm just curious um, about that? You know, I think that because what we are working to do is really engage the unengaged or the just becoming engaged we haven't had a lot of pushback in the typical sense i spent 15 years prior to this job working for planned parenthood here in yeah Texas. i saw i read that yeah yeah my former role was the executive director of our statewide um, political and advocacy arm and i feel like you know i was in a space where it was like challenge 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 every that, that, yeah i can and in texas right, right like exactly exactly you know you know, working on on reproductive um, health rights and justice in Texas is is a significant challenge. And I think that what now, you know, the biggest challenge as opposed to really the naysayers is just, you know, we need to get more women engaged and they are out there. It's like, we just have to reach them. They just need to be talked to. And so I know sometimes I feel like you know, our biggest challenge is there's like so much to do and we only have capacity to do certain things. So <laughs> what we are, sure. you know, what we are really focused on is 
you know, this training program, we're also building um, a platform on our website, which is really cool. We're really excited about just called Supermajority Home. So any woman will be able to then just log on, check your voter registration. We kind of refer to it as like, put on your own air mask first, right? Like, are you registered? Do you like know that. where you need to go? Like, do you know where you yeah. need to go? Um, and then also be able to um, look at different opportunities to get engaged. So like if there was like a local campaign or a statewide campaign or others that, and not, not electoral, but really more focused on, you know, issues that are happening right now. I mean, I think that now more than ever, we need to make sure that we are lifting up, you know, both um, the fight for black lives and also, you know, this COVID response from the federal government, you know, people are hurting. We need to give them the opportunity to make their voices heard, but also they'll have opportunities to engage with other women from all across the country and they'll be able to contact voters directly um, and be able to send this tool to to their to folks in their network to be like, hey, check this out, get your voter reg information, find out where you're registered. And like here are so many more actions you can take right in this site if you um, if you want to. And just being able to like we think of it as a one-stop shop you know, both to get yourself checked out and then also yeah. to, um, to be able to engage others, both folks that you know and folks that you don't know. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's exciting to me. But yeah, I think like when I think about like naysayers and challenges, I'm like, oh man, it's more of like, we've got so much work to do between now and November 3rd. <laughs> A lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, closing fast, I feel like, yeah. you know, it really is. Uh, but, you know, the, I don't know from the polls I've seen, We've got the lead, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a registered Democrat, so I'm not afraid to say that on the podcast. We, you know, it's been, I've talked about it already. Uh, but um, yeah, the way things are now, I wish they'd hold the vote now today. And uh, to be honest with you, um, I feel like that would um, go. So it's just like, I don't know. I see the finish line. So there, but I feel like these are the same feelings I had in 2016 wow. where I was like, Oh yeah, it's going to be no problem. We're going to, we're going to get this. And, um, you know, that, that didn't happen or November 9th, excuse me. Um, well, and I mean, and I, you know, for us, I think it's just, and I think most people like, we just cannot stop as yeah. much as I think that like, you know, sometimes my boyfriend will tell me like, why do you think people aren't going to vote? They're going to go to vote out Trump. Like, how do you not think that that's possible? It's like, people have to be engaged. We have to talk to them. We have to make sure that they know the importance of their vote, of engaging their friends and family constantly. Um, and it, it's just, it's going to be our forever job and we're just going to have to, yeah. to you know, to, to live in that, in that space. People still think their vote doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, they still think that. I, in fact, I spoke with, um, I just interviewed Dale Hansen. Uh, do, you remember, do you know who he is? He's a sportscaster out of uh, right. Dallas. Yep. Um, and um, he actually voted for the first time in 45 years this past year. And the reason he said he never voted is because he just never thought his vote mattered. And yeah. I just thought, damn, from somebody like that, like you really didn't think your vote mattered this whole time. And that's amazing to me. So that just lets me know there are a ton of people that yeah. don't think their vote matters. Um, so, yeah, I think it is important to let them know it does matter and how it matters. I think that's the, probably the most important aspect because if you just tell someone your vote matters, 
what does that really do to them? They, they need to see how it matters. And I think once they're in, they're in for, for life, I, I think, I believe, um, you know. Well, I, and I so. think you know, to that point, I think especially now, I, um, you know, last Thanksgiving was sitting next to my, you know, one of my, my theas, and she said that the first time that she voted was it was in 2016. Wow. And she's a citizen. Like she's, you know, in her sixties, like she, you know, like it's not as though there was, there was a time in which that, you know, precluded her from voting. Like she's always been able to vote. And then I felt like, Oh my God, what a terrible human have I, that I've been sitting next to this woman just assuming that she votes. Um, <laughs> you know, like, gosh, like just, you know, look at, look at your own family and, you know, in, in your own networks um, and the reach that they have. Um, especially, but I mean, that's a, that's a great example too, I think with Dale. I mean, like you think that somebody, you know, like, oh man, like, you know, you, you've got it together. Like you're, you know, you're, yeah. fresh, you know, everybody like you're, you know, exactly. But- you're plugged in. You just figure they're going to vote, right? Like that's, that's their people are expecting them to vote in, in, in fact. Um, so that just completely I just was not expecting to hear that. Yeah, I know. Um, We we hear like from, you know, so many women, especially that, you know, it's difficult when you have, you know, especially when like the polls are not very accessible to you or, you know, you got to pick up the kids, you got to get home and make dinner. A lot of reasons, you know, why it's challenging. But then when you look at folks who are just like, yeah, I just really, it didn't, it didn't uh, not occur. It didn't occur to me that it was such an important part of my personal life you know um but i think that as i mentioned earlier i think with with covid and and seeing that direct connection now um is hopefully really going to make a difference because and people talk a lot about young people not voting um well i think young people now you know especially you know like working in the restaurant industry you know and they got you know whether they got student loan relief for a little while or what that's going to look like but you know it's it's confounding and it's a lot of pressure and are they moving home like what did they have to do yeah 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 that's a good point um yeah they're you know that's the very frustrating part for me is seeing you know being told okay stay home close your business do all this stuff but hey still pay a hundred percent of your rent your utilities your taxes right and we're not going to help you out or we're going to offer this way to help you out you've got to work super hard and go through this whole maze of whatever paperwork and this that and the other to get some maybe get some help so it's just super gosh it's just so frustrating um right now the response from the federal government and even some of our state government in, in that sense um yeah it's it's tough when you tell people stay home but there's no relief uh for it if you're already living paycheck to paycheck it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to you know make it through um so yeah that that's what concerns me the most right now to be honest yeah no i mean it is and i think that you know there was discussion that this week that congress would be passing or that they did in fact um you know extend like the paycheck protection but that is only you know there's a cap and it's only for so long, like how long are we really just going to keep kicking the can down the road, especially when you look at states like Texas, where, you know, we reopened probably a bit too soon. And now we are in the situation that we are in where folks are doing the flip flop back to working or not working. And then all of the paperwork that then comes with what that means um, and the adjustments in your life. So it is a um, it's going to be a consistent battle through, as we know, 
through election day and like making sure that people know how to make their voices heard. Um, especially women right now, we talk and Cecile's done a ton of interviews about the way that women have been impacted specifically. And I mentioned this earlier, just with, you know, childcare. Um, I have a good friend who she and her husband are both teachers. So before the school year ended when they were in school and they have um, three kids under the age of 10. So it was oh, like, wow. we have to be on zoom teaching our kids at school and we have our kids at home. And, and it, it's like you, when you think about people's lives and the, the, you know, just layers upon layers of ways that they are impacted. Um, and, and, you know, there's nothing to be done right now and that other than vote, honestly, this is our, this is our opportunity. And, and we've seen, as you said, the impact of local leaders and our state leaders on, you know, when you've got Mayor Adler saying, this is too soon. And the government Correct. said not, and and here we are. So being able to see really the the dichotomy and the difference is is really startling. But that's where I think our role at Supermajority is like: let's build the best tools, let's make it accessible, let's make sure that we have the information that our members need, let's make sure we're getting women into. As we know, women are, you know, you are married, you know this. <laughs> They're really in the household who are um, really plugged in and connected. And, um, and in so many ways, we've seen so many women that, that are heads of household and that, you know, and when we are really trying to convey as well that what good messengers women are in their communities, to their families, to their friends. Um, and this is really how we are going to increase, you know, not just voter participation, but representation at all levels of government. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my, my wife's actually from Spain. Um, she became a citizen. I multicultural you are there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Spain for, for a few years, um, became a resident over there. And, and we honestly probably still be living there had the job market not been so bad that, you know, I had to come back to the States. Um, but yeah, she's she became a citizen, I guess, a few years ago. And it's all new for her, to be honest with you. This is a whole new government um she, there's a lot of pushback from her side of things of just how she sees it run here you know but it's interesting because her perspective is just this fresh set of eyes on things that i've seen my whole life so it's been real eye-opening honestly to get her opinion on a lot of things and how she sees it and um you know she's she's all about women's rights of course um and you know wa wants to see that happen because in spain there's still a lot of you know this you know, hierarchy of the man belongs here and the woman belongs here. And she grew up with that. And so she fights against that, you know, immensely. Um, and, and that still exists here too, right? It's still, um, it's, it's still something that, that exists. And I can't even believe it in 2020 that there are people that still think that way. It, it, it baffles me. Like how does supermajority, you know, go, attack that problem in the sense of, you know, this regression that people are just probably forever going to have, or is it something you just kind of like, let's not even worry about that. Like you said, we have so much to do. Let's just push forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and that's a big part of it. I mean, it's connected. It, it really goes hand in hand. And, and one of the things that are one of the, you know, really issues that we've been pushing forward and bringing up is that, you know, when you look at the way in which that racism and patriarchy are so connected yeah. um, if you look at what white supremacy is and looks like right and so we have to think about how we are um 
lifting the voices of women, especially women of color, that we are centering them. And because it's not just like, oh, well, yeah, that's the right thing to do. It's like, these are the women who are actually closest to the issues and they are closest to the solutions. This is why they do make better leaders. And I think the more that we, um, we have a, a platform called Supermajority News. And so we were able to get a news designation. It was really super exciting. And we have reporters um, on the team who really just um, look at women who are living their everyday lives, but are superheroes, right? Just activists on the ground. Um, we're, you know, getting ready to write a story about a, a woman in Navajo Nation who is just doing amazing work. Um, but also looking at how are we lifting up the women who are leading and telling yes. stories, right? We need to make sure that we are like exemplifying and, and lifting up the women who are doing the courageous work like on the hill. I was able to recently host a, um, or moderate a, a panel with um, uh, Representative um, Veronica Escobar and Sylvia Garcia, um, you know, our two first Latinas um, elected to Congress from Texas, which is awesome. Right. Which is awesome, but also really, it really, you're right. You're, it's, you're right. It's like, it took, it took this long, right? Like, yeah. How is that? How is that even possible? But anyway, you know, really just having a conversation with them about, you know, bold leadership. And it's not just about, you know, the, you know, the good old boy cigar smoking backroom deals inside baseball that we have women who are leading the charge, who are like speaking the truth and, you know, speaking truth to power in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that, you know, the more, you know, the number of women that were elected to Congress in, in 2018, phenomenal, most ever. Um, awesome. We have the opportunity this year too, to, you know, elect even more women than, than, than we did then. So it's exciting, but you know, the patriarchy is real. Machismo is real, you know Machismo. that. I mean, it is. I would, um, you know, my parents would talk about, oh, you know, like you know, San Antonio, it's such a you know great place politically, and we've got you know good leaders. And it was like, well, you know, for a really long time, you had men who were telling women, it's not your time, don't run for state rep, don't run for this council seat. You know, you you should run for judge, or you should go and run for school board. Um, but now when, and when you see what amazing, you know, leaders, these women have been and, and like gone to the helm and like fighting the fight, you know, we can't, we can't live with that mindset anymore. And we have to, just as we talked earlier about like women can be sexist, like the patriarchy is, is really ingrained and how do we really absolutely women, um, as equal and as peers. And that's why in our majority rules agenda, we have laid out you know, these are the five principles and, you know, really, you know, equal pay and equal access to employment is so critical there. I'm sure that you've seen it of all of the amazing women chefs all over the country who are just being celebrated so phenomenally. And I'm a big top chef person. Yeah. I was really excited about Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> we were in the Zoom chat with our staff and everybody was just like, okay, what was like the best part of your week last week? There's so many plus the one top chef. <laughs> I love it. I, look, the best chefs I know are women. That's yeah. the truth. That yeah, is the truth. No, it is, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a long overdue. 
A hundred percent. It's long overdue, but um, but also it's crazy that you even have to fight for equality. Right? I, I think that's I think it's insane that even a group has to be formed to get mm -hmm. something you uh, that seems so obvious. Um, okay. uh, that's it's sad, honestly. Um, but I'm obviously so happy that y'all are doing it. But I just hate that y'all even have to do that. Well, and I think, you know, for us and when we launched and just the feedback that we received of like, I've been waiting for this my whole life. We're so glad that there is this space for me to really exist um, with other women and talk about yeah. these issues and talk about building power. And we, you know, had a really great conversation, um, you know, in Houston with women about like how we can like, how are we building together? How are we thinking about leveraging the power that we have collectively instead of like we're all working on these different issues and we're all fighting against this glass ceiling in our own individual spaces instead of really thinking about how we're how we are connecting and and that's one thing that with supermajority that is something that is you know that is unique and that is um, really exciting from the women that we've spoken with and who have joined us uh, we were right after launch. It was just like, oh my God, day two, 85,000 women from across the country had signed up to be members of Supermajority. Wow. I know. And that wow. was, you know, that was, you know, Cecile and Alicia and I, Jen, doing some interviews on the morning shows. <laughs> it was like, just took off. Well, like you said, people, mm -hmm. you know, there's women that are looking for this. Yeah. And we get, you know, we get a lot of, um, questions at our info at um, supermajority.com of men saying, can I join? Can I be a member? We're like, absolutely. Of course. You know, like, Oh really? I was going to ask that. Okay. Yes, yes. No, men can definitely be members of supermajority. We were, would be hosted our webinar series last year and we'll be launching again this year, but many women would um, type in the chat. My husband is here with me. We're listening together. <laughs> it's, it's, That's it's awesome. Really because it is, I mean, it, it's just like, you know, such a wonderfully, just informative, but also like, what are the things, you know, what are the tactics and tools that we can do? Like, how can we use our voices really to lift up women, both the women in our lives, you know, and women who we know are, you know, representing us um, to demonstrate that, you know, we need to make sexism, patriarchy, a thing of the past. I mean, a hundred percent. Is there, um, like, is, is this like a democratic Republican thing, right? A conservative liberal thing can, I mean, I know that, you know, y'all fight for women's rights and there's a big issue that you know very much about that's, that's there right in the middle. Does that prevent some women from wanting to join? Well, one thing that we say is that we want women in this space who share our values and our values really being around, um, you know, both, you know, reproductive health rights and justice, economic equality and justice, right? Access to um, all forms of healthcare um, and also really centering the voices of women of color and being an anti-racist. So if those are the things that you agree with us on, please join us at, at Supermajority. We are a nonpartisan organization, um, but, um, but we want to make sure that we have, that we're building a community of women who stand on the values um, that really are essential to women's, um, really just the women's movement and moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. hundred um, percent. Well, that, that's also good to know about men joining. Again, I was curious about that myself. Um, that's great. That's great to know. 
um, because, yeah, I was curious how men can help support um, this cause because I'm all for it. And I think, I, honestly, I know at least all my male friends all think the same way I do for the most part, um, um, except, you know, you, you always got a couple, you know, fringe friends that just have some crazy thoughts, but maybe they've just been friends forever and, right. you know, that, that sort of thing, uh, especially growing up in Texas, right? Trying to be liberal in Texas is not always easy. Um, mm -hmm. So you're always going to have conservative friends and family, you know, as well. Um, that That's just tough. And I guess it's just I'm looking for ammo on how to respond to some questions that I might get. So like one thing might be what would, you know, let's say, you know, men, for some reason, men have a problem with feminism. Is that word connected to y'all's, you know, program or is that something y'all stray from? Is that? I'm I'm just curious. I, I say this from a place of, sure. I, I hope it doesn't sound ignorant. I just, I don't know. So I'm just asking. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that we forget as a society that all feminism means is that we have equality of the sexes. I so agree. If agreed. you're anti-feminist, then you don't want women and men to be equal. Um, and it's, you know, it's really just as plain and simple as that. And so then, you know, yes, you know, absolutely. And we are an intersectional feminist organization, understanding that women's lives are touched by so many issues, including their, you know, race and ethnicity and how they identify. So, you know, it is for us making sure that we have a understanding about what that means, as well as it's about the stories you're not going to necessarily get people with, you know, the buzzwords or the like, either you are this or you aren't. Um, but really of, hey, did you hear the story about this woman from Arizona who is doing this exceptional work and leading her community to X, right? Or, you know, how can you share different stories? And especially like, you know, being from Texas as you are and as I am, you know, like of the women who are who are really leading in, in their communities. And it really forces people to look at leadership in a different way. Um, and also the value that really like intrinsic, huge value that women bring to um, leadership in the way that they are empathetic, in the way that they have experienced life differently. Like there are so many things that make women really amazing leaders and that too should not be threatening. It should be like, great. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Agreed. Like, Agreed. How, can we, how can we work together? And I, you know, as much as, and, and that's why I always talk about too, you know, share our content. Um, you know, we have different, um, you know, stories that we feature and then also different facts that we lift up, um, which I think that, you know, folks will, you know, forget. Um, when you think about the fact that, you know, and I was doing the math because I was asked to do a quote um, for a, a children's book. But of like when I figured I did the math of like, because my grandmothers did not really get the right to vote when suffrage, right? And they weren't born at the time. But even like when it was time for their voting age, they did not have access to the polls, right? So then it's just kind of like you look at just how far back it was, like even just, you know, or five decades, you know, that actually, four like in the 70s was when Native women and, you know, Latino women were like really voting, you know, in the 60s. And so it's just like, you think about it, it's not that far away. 
Yeah, and crazy. Progress that has had to have been made, um, you know, to really, you know, because there is a like law passage of, you know, access and then there is real access. So, you know, the, the fights that our, you know, our ancestors have had, that our moms and grandmothers and great grandmothers have had, you know, to, to get us where we are here today and really thinking about, you know, how is that, how is that the story of this country and how do we live that authentically? And that's where I feel like it's, you know, there's so much embedded in these conversations and we have to like start light. <laughs> that's one thing that we talk about with Supermajority is that like, this has to be engaging and fun. And that's where I think like, as you, you know, share content or share, you know, stories, it really is about those like identities and people and their lives. We always say that, you know, your story of self is the most powerful, um, wow. how you yeah. came to be who you are. Um, and that was, you know, I was a roundabout way of talking about this quote that I did for the children's book, but it was like, you know, my, I, I'm my grandmother's like wildest dream. Like the fact that I would be mobilizing women to vote, that I would have gone to college, that I would have, um, you know, had experience leading an organization that's, you know, tremendous. And we need more of that. And we all, yeah. need that. it's better for our communities. It's better for our, you know, like for our kids being able to see that leadership. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, it, it is. It's about being around it. It's about seeing those personal things. Uh, a lot of times people are scared of what they don't know and they, right, they just act out on that. Um, I think a, a, like a lot of it comes from fear. Um, you know, me personally, I grew up with my mother being a very strong person in my household, someone that I looked up to. She, you know, moved to America in, I think, I don't know, 74, some, some around there and married my dad like a year later. Like they didn't, my mom and dad didn't even speak the same language. My dad didn't speak Spanish. My mom didn't speak English and they made it happen. And my mom, I, I guess I, I just never realized the struggles my mom went through, to be honest with you, till I got, till I became older. Um, Cause just yeah. when you're growing up and your mom's your mom, you just, just, that's how things are. And I, I just never thought about it. But you know, when I look back and I think, wow, what my parents went through to even be together. First of all, I know they got a lot of pushback. Like my, my oh. father's family at the beginning didn't want my father to marry my mother being from Mexico and she was Catholic. That was just like the end of the world. Um, and, 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 you know, my mom won them over by just being herself and being around them. And they got to see, look, this, this, what, this woman's great, right? She's just like us. Like, there's no real difference. And that's what it took. But before that, they were scared and they pushed and they, and that honestly opened their eyes to the world. They changed, then my grandparents changed because of that. And they became more open about everything. And all it took was that. And my mom could have easily said, oh, forget you guys, you know, I'm just whatever. But she didn't. She took the challenge and I felt like she's always had that challenge here her whole life, trying to prove to people that, you know, just because she's from another country and has an accent, she's no different from you. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but that, that's just oh. a struggle, right? It's a struggle. And, and being a woman on top of that, I just, she's just such a powerful woman. Shout out to my mother. Just, I respect her so much. I love her so much. Um, she's taught me everything about strength and power and um, yeah, my grandmother from Mexico as well. You know, my aunts from Mexico, women have just been such a big part of my life and leaders in my life, to be honest with you. And I, I would definitely like to see more of that. I'm all about women being leaders and, uh, yes, of course, equality and 
gosh. Yeah. Well, your mom. Sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't mean no, to. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that it's you know when we think about the matriarchy and the role that you know women have played, you know, as mothers, as sisters, as you know, just family and friends that have been such rocks in in people's lives. Um, and that is the, you know, really that is, that is a true leader of being able to have that strength and fortitude and, and bring it directly to your community, your family, your friends. Um, but that's, and that's exactly, as you said, we, we need to see more that it has been, um, far too long. Well, um, you must have had amazing food growing up. I can't even imagine. I did. I, I really food. did. I did. Oh man. So good. <laughs> I, did. I still do. Like my mom's cooking is still my, my favorite thing to eat, like hands down, uh, without a question. Um, yeah. It's yeah, no, I, I think that that's one thing that I think about um, Texas and, you know, just the culture that is here. I think that, you know, I go to other states sometimes and it's just like, oh, Texas, you just must, y'all just must eat steak all the time. Like, <laughs> it's like, wow, the fact that that is still out there is like, it's go to crazy, and right? have amazing Vietnamese food, right? Like, you know, it's, it's just, um, but, you know, we are this state that doesn't vote to, to the degree that we should. We, we are, a, you know, on, on a, you know, very <laughs> bottom of the totem pole when it comes to, um, you know, our vote, our vote propensity compared to other states. But if we did, I think that we would definitely be expressing the values that we know that we have as Texans. We are, yeah. you know, like, and that's one thing too, just we care about each other. We care about our community. We are welcoming. Um, and that we also um, really want to see change. We do. This, this isn't, this isn't where we want to be. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we see in Texas the, um, you know, the increased turnout that, that we're hoping for in this cycle, you know, not, not just a vote against, you know, the, the hateful, the hate that we've seen come out of the administration, but also for, um, for our values, for who we are and for who we, who we, you know, the way in which we know that we should be represented, which to uh -huh. me is, yeah. you know, it's, it's so much of it as in, you know, and are you originally from Austin? No, I'm asking. No, no. I, I grew up in the Dallas area, but I wasn't born there. I was born in Omaha, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the random places that our parents end up. I was born in Oklahoma City. My parents lived outside of Texas for like two minutes. And yeah, that exactly. In Oklahoma City. My brother was born in uh, Guadalajara. And, oh, yeah. And my mom was actually pregnant with me in Guadalajara. But because my brother, they had such a tough time getting my brother's papers after he was born. They're yeah. like, okay, the moment you're ready to yeah. You know, for, for Patrick to come out, you're going right back up to the States. So that's what they did. She, she came up and, and had me here to make that easier. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I know everybody has their story, but you know, I do feel like, you know, as much as, you know, the battles that we have of Dallas and Houston and Austin and San Antonio or whatever, like we really are Texans and we care about our state. And I think that we're, you know, we got to do the right thing. And I really hope that we collectively do. And I know that women are doing the hard work right now to get that done. 
Um, and, you know, pay attention, please follow your, you know, that we're in early voting time right now for the runoff, a lot of opportunities, um, but then, you know, make sure that we've got folks that are ready to go in November and who are participating. I think that that's one thing, and as I've said about supermajority in our, in our programs, is that we've got, you know, made it easy, trying to make it easy in order to participate, right? Make it easy, make it fun. We want to get people engaged. Um, and just standing together is what this is all about. Yeah, there's strength in numbers too, right? Like you're joining a group, it just can give you that strength to do something you would never do on your own, mm-hmm. right? And I and I get that. I, I get that um, feeling of of wanting to feel that. So yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, look, there's a a couple things you know before we go that I do want to yeah. talk about real real quick. Um, one is like this is more just for people listening. Okay, let's say I I go I sign up on the site. What what's what happens after I sign up? Like what what's what's going to happen to me? So you go to supermajority.com, which is our website, and then you click on become a member. And we, um, it's free to become a member. There's, there's no, there's like, you know, you're not now all of a sudden going to get ads or something ridiculous. Right? <laughs> but really becoming a member is because we want to be able to engage with you and, and provide information, uh, political information that maybe we wouldn't be able to do if we were, um, you know, if you didn't sign up as a member. So sign up as a member. Um, and then you'll get opportunities to engage and get involved. We did a call um, earlier this year a, um, on a Zoom with Stacey Abrams. Um, and oh, I saw, I watched part of that. It's yeah, great. and talked about voting, you know, talked about voting rights and talked about voter infringement and suffrage and, and et cetera. But I think that, you know, as becoming part of this community, there are all opportunities to participate. You know, then you get, you're gonna get an opportunity to sign up for our supermajority home, um, which as a member, you just go and you log right into, but then that will give you all of the information that I mentioned earlier about checking the registration, um, you know, voter, and especially right now that voting information is really confusing, especially- A hundred percent. Especially in states you, um, you know, like with the voter registration deadlines and then with, you know, like, oh, okay, then this is when early vote starts. And if I don't set my registration by this time and then like vote by mail, like I'm really proud of my mom who like last election cycle, she's like, I'm voting by mail. It's really great. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to take you out for a margarita now. Um, <laughs> right? like, great. Um, but it's, you know, it's understanding what all of those deadlines are and being able to get that information. But then it's also how can I participate? How can I become active and make a difference? How can I, um, you know, help women who are being impacted by COVID, how am I helping, you know, especially, you know, black women who are fighting on the ground at these, you know, organizations and, and doing tremendous work. But it's, you know, so we see it really as an opportunity. It's not just information for yourself and for voting, but it's also really about how can you, this larger community of women, you know, both in your state and across the country, support that work and be part of the largest women to women voter contact program in the country talk to voters. That's our goal, right? Like that's, that's, awesome. that's, that's the whole deal is, is, as Cecile says, is, is voting, um, and getting out to, um, it's where the real change happens, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. it really is the safest manner that we can, um, especially in this time, um, to get to the polls is most important. And as I mentioned for 2021, it's going to be all about accountability. Um, and how are we making sure that the, um, you know, policies that impact women that are, you know, moving our lives forward are actually 
getting through, making their way through, um, through Congress and eventually passed. And at the state level as well. So important. Yes, as yes. We, as we know, all of the state laws that then make their ways through the courts, we got to stop them in their tracks. There's, it's a, a lot of times there's such a disconnect between federal, state, local, right? A county even, right? You just start to get this disconnect between everything. And it's very frustrating as a voter, uh, just as a citizen of, uh, you know, just here. It, yeah. it is. It's so frustrating. Um, I'm curious where, you know, first of all, accountability is Mm-hmm. That's number one, because it's always great, right? Everyone gets behind voting for someone. We get them in and then it's like we turn our backs and start right. living our lives and don't. Hey, what about this, this, this and this you said you yeah. were going to do, you know, so I think that is so crucial. I feel like that gets overlooked so much is the accountability part. So that's awesome to hear. Right, right. It is. A, and that's why we say it is a, you know, and, you know, and being an activist really is every day. Um, and we have to think about it that way, that it's not just about like, okay, well, I did my part and I voted and I like volunteered this one day and now I'm done. It really is how are we working every day to create change? Um, and that's what it's going to take. But we can um, make this engaging. We can make this an experience in which like we feel good <laughs> about the work that we're doing, right? Yeah, we feel, yeah. you know, we also, there's a, there's a whole book about like uh, pleasure activism about like continuing to find joy in work, especially right now when it is so, um, you know, just, you know, black men being murdered in the streets and COVID and just what we see happening every day. Um, and, you know, watching press conferences, I feel like is traumatizing these days. <laughs> so, no kidding. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, right. it is. So then how are we also like, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and we've, we've really got to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves too. And that's one thing that we do center also at Supermajority is like, it's, it's the long term. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, this honestly is a perfect time for women to step in and become leaders now because we're looking for them. We need them. We need this change. And I think it's, it, you know, because of the pandemic and it just the, there is sort of this boiling happening in the country, um, and I, yeah, I think it's a perfect opportunity for change. Like we have to make it now while the iron is hot, you know, black lives matter, right? Like that can't get overlooked again. It can't just be, you know, in the news cycle and then it's gone because that's what happens all the time. It, it's, it, it just, it, that's very frustrating. It's like a school, it's like a school shooting. We get all up in arms about, you know, no pun intended there, but right, uh, right. you know, uh, about what's going on and then it fades away and we're on to the next. And I just, we have an opportunity now where we have a chance to focus on things. People are at home more people are at, you know, mm-hmm. and I think these changes can happen and I see it happening. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I just can't wait. I'm, I'm curious where you see what kind of, you know, unless there's something else you, you want to discuss and, and f- by all means, you know, feel free to, to add on to this. Um, but um, I'm curious, you know, where you see supermajority in five years, let's say. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And one thing, um, and we've been talking about this a lot because as you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's 2020 and so much is riding on this election. I oh know when you think about scenario planning, regardless of the work that you do, the, you know, what the administration at the federal level is going to look like is, is going to have a huge impact on, on the work that is done moving forward. 
but that you know really has not stopped us in thinking about we've got to think big and we've got to think about growing numbers and getting more and more women engaged involved taking action um and then looking at you know in 2020 gubernatorial races all across the country right which it's been right here in texas as well um and then you know we'll have these you know continued accountability and legislative sessions that are happening across the country so we need to make political impact um, and legislative impact every single legislative cycle, every single election cycle. So, you know, the work is not done in five years. I am hoping, you know, that supermajority has millions of members yes. uh, and that women are dominating both at the polls um, and as elected officials in office. Um, and, you know, one thing I feel like is, is, you know, we neglect to talk about as well, but, you know, these policies that we want pushed should be creating more opportunities for women. Like if we're talking about equal pay, we need more women to be on Fortune 500 boards. We need more yeah. women who are, you know, who are restaurant owners and, um, exactly. you know, not just, you know, the executive chef. We need to see that um, women have made, um, have just really made strides in a variety of industries. And, we, and also when it comes to domestic workers and, um, especially you know these essential workers that we talk about and they weren't so essential before totally right totally essential now um but yeah. how we're thinking about um you know fair pay and how we're thinking about like helping women um you know break cycles of poverty like it's it's real the things that we're trying to do it's not just like okay great you know we'll be able to you know have a you know, a virtual <laughs> like election night party and call it a day, right? <laughs> this is this is for the long term, um, and yeah. that's really what supermajority is about. It's long overdue. I mean, again, it's it's just ridiculous we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, but I'm just so happy that this uh, group exists and that it's going to continue to grow and. Um, it helps everybody, you know, I, I just know that there's going to be, I just know Texas and I know certain men and they're just idiots. And I know that they're going to see this yeah. and think, Oh, it's just for women. Oh, and I just hate yeah. that. You know, it's, it's, that's what kills me the most. And mm -hmm. I hope that, you know, maybe even listening to this podcast that they'll even just sort of understand that again, it's not about that, right? It's, it's, it helps us all, uh, in the end, but the fact that, women absolutely deserve equal rights. I mean, hello, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's such a crazy thing to even try to convince somebody. I guess it's the same thing with Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. right? Just, it's crazy that you even have to convince somebody that that is, you know, how you should think. Right, or that it even needs to be said. And that it even, yeah. I think that, you know, this isn't, you know, Black Lives Matter, it's, it's not a, and we're so fortunate, uh, Alicia Garza, one of our co-founders is a co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Um, I saw and, that. And, you know, this intersects also so much, right? When you think about like what they're talking about with, you know, divesting from police is, you know, people don't see it as like, well, what we're saying is, is that maybe we shouldn't have tanks and shotgun, like machine guns for police departments, but maybe we should be doing some more like funding for schools and communities, right? Exactly. Like here's a way, you know, so that it, and then when we think about policies that impact real change, like, this is not just a, a separate movement like this is really integrated when we talk about anti-racism like that how that can change um communities and the way that people you know not just women people are treated um makes a, a tremendous you know can make a tremendous difference and for folks not to see it as 
you know, oh, this is that issue or this is separate from me and my life um, because it is all, you know, we, we are all one here and we need to, and we need to stand up for, for one another. Um, but I did want to mention as well, follow us on Instagram, um, follow us on um, Facebook. We are the supermajority um, at supermajority on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Um, but be able to get the information. You can still sign up for our leaders program, which is really exciting. Um, so that deadline is on Friday. Um, and, you know, we'll have a lot of interesting campaigns and other opportunities through home coming up. We'll also be hosting a day of action on September 12th, which is super exciting. Thinking about different ways in which we can um, engage women um, all across the country to, to take action um, and kick off the 52 days before the election. So wow. uh, not a dull moment that we have in between there. Um, I'm not heartbroken to be stuck in Texas with all the good food. Usually my job <laughs> is on the road. <laughs> not to say I haven't had good, you know, good food elsewhere. That Detroit pizza is pretty delicious. But um, but yeah, it's not a not a not a bad gig and, and doing something I'm really passionate about and that my family's really proud of me for. That's awesome. No, it's amazing what you're doing. I'm sure your boyfriend is too, just everyone around you. Yeah, it's it's awesome. You know, we not all of us get the opportunity to do something like that with our lives, to be honest with you. Some people are just in a position where they have to take so-and-so job and work or two of them. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's great. You know, it's great. And it's great that you realize that as well. I think that's even uh, more important. So absolutely. Awesome. And, you know, and they're the unsung heroes, to be honest, you know, the, the people who are, are working with two jobs and the people who yeah. are still, you know, and, and in this, in this environment, especially. And as we think about our, those that we love in the in the restaurant and food industry who are hurting. Um, I think just thank you for your podcast as well. I think highlighting both issues um, and Texas cuisine, which I include the breakfast taco, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is so very, very important. So appreciate you for all you're doing. And um, it sounds like you've got an amazing wife also. She's awesome. She's, <laughs> she's, uh, you know, a, a thousand times better than I could ever be. Um, to be honest with you, I learned so much from her. Uh, it's crazy to, to be honest with you. So yes. Yeah. She's amazing. That is awesome. I was trying to even think about like what other restaurants that do you go to here in Austin? What are your faves? That's a tough, that's tough. Um, you know, um, Gosh, yeah, I I love you know Emmer and Rye. It's mm, off yeah. of uh, it's probably one of my favorite places in Olamay. Yeah, um, you know probably my two favorite places in Austin. And there's a place called Dai Du. Oh uh, no, excuse me. I, maybe I mean I'm pronouncing it right. It might be Dai Due. I think I, I get it wrong every I time I go you, there. I know what you're talking about. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. it's, it's just, you know, butcher shop and, and food and same with salt and time. That's why I like salt and time butcher shop yeah. and, uh, you know, get, get some food, uh, because I still eat meat. Um, yeah. I'm all for still eating meat. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's where I go. Yeah, no, we had a, uh, my boyfriend had a buddy who worked at salt and time for a while and we were living on the East side and it was like, Oh man, that place is good. <laughs> It's so good. Um, I interviewed those two guys one time um, and yeah. I, they let me like film in their butcher area and cool. stuff and uh, just amazing. Um, 
you know, yeah, I just love going to eat there. The burger, they have this burger. It's just, it's just so legit. It's just so good. Plus I like, I like knowing where the food is coming from. Like, I like that. I like that. I just, we need more of it. I had not been to Olami, but I had heard from a lot of friends that it was really amazing. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. It's probably, I mean, and I've worked in a lot of restaurants and with a lot of great chefs. It's probably one of the best places I've ever eaten in my life, to be frank with you. Nice. Wow. Yeah, it's, um, it really is, um, it's just a unique experience. You know, don't, don't expect big portions. I will say that. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I feel like a lot of these, you know, restaurants, you, you know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, The quality, it's about quality, not quantity. Okay. You're not going to Outback. This is a different experience. Um, and yeah, so it it just, it just comes down to cost really. I mean, I bought that sort of product before. It just, it costs so much more. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't really. Um, give somebody a 16 ounce steak like it's like there's no way you're getting a five ounce that we perfectly cooked for you you know that's better in in, in a lot of ways and you got to know that going in yeah 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 you have to of course yeah absolutely absolutely well i was there anything else that you felt like i should mention or I, that's up to you. I'm, I'm, um, I've, I've sort of covered everything that I, that I wanted to ask. Um, this has been a, such a great conversation to okay. just to, just so I can just say that um, I've learned a lot. Um, I, that's what I was hoping. Um, and I think you've helped people understand this movement as well. Um, a little yeah. bit more too. So. Yeah. I, and that's one thing that I guess I'll, you know, say, you know, lastly, is that like, this is a, this is necessary and it's approachable. Like this is like, this is the way that it should be. And we've just got to vote and we've got to get ourselves to, you know, on the right path and, and we can do it and we just have to do it together um, and really be mindful of, um, of opportunity for ourselves and each other. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Perfect. Well, great. Well, I enjoyed this so much. I felt like I could have talked to you more about food forever and ever. I like, <laughs> I know that one year I lived in Houston. I don't know how much weight I gained. And I, I was trying everything. I was just like, oh, this restaurant Anthem. Oh, this other restaurant only has 11 seats. Let's figure out how we can get a restaurant. I love it. That lo- <laughs> Houston is a great city for food. It just is amazing. I know. I'm really, I'm impressed with Austin over the last, you know, like, you know, I mean, even like, even since I've been here the last six years of just the amazing restaurants that have popped up, it's been, it's been really exciting. And, you know, San Antonio too, when we go home, we're like, oh my God, what's this? San Antonio, absolutely. (laughs) San Antonio has amazing food. I mean, yes, even Dallas, I mean, Dallas, Fort Worth, El Paso. I mean, I can find good food in any city, to be honest with you. No, that is, that is very true. But it is, I know you got, I was uh, thinking about the Vietnam, like I know I mentioned, a couple of times but the Viet- my favorite vietnamese and that is mai's in houston and they're open late and oh man now i'm just i crazy. love vietnamese food now i'm it's, just freaking fun <laughs> it's like i actually real quick i'll just tell this quick story this is fine i went to this vietnamese uh this is before i was married okay so i went on a date this is my 20s yeah um i've probably told my wife this story but uh, this this vietnamese girl took me to this vietnamese restaurant it was in las Colinas. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole community there of Vietnamese restaurants and Korean restaurants, but they're separate. Anyway, that's a whole nother 
Um, so we go into this. It's in a shopping center. Open the door, walk in. They've got this huge. This is like July. They got this huge Christmas tree right there in the front, just like bam, you know, welcome to our place, yeah. whatever. And it was just they had rocks on the floor. I'll never forget. We sat in these fold out chairs. They had these barrels that you cook the food on nice. for yourself. They brought you the raw meat yeah. and you would cook it all yourself. And they had this, uh, you know, tube that came down that would suck all the smoke out or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just one of the most unique experience, eating experiences of my life. And the food was amazing. I mean, I just amazing. Yeah. It reminded me of being in Mexico and eating mm -hmm. off of the street somewhere. And just the flavors are just. Mm -hmm. I, they're undescribable. It's like you're using the same ingredients, but yeah. somehow they're coming out differently. I, I don't get it. So yeah, Vietnamese, uh, every time I've gone to eat Vietnamese food, it's been um, amazing, but I'll never forget that particular uh, restaurant for as long as I live. Yeah. So no, yeah, I feel like those, those food experiences are just, you know, part of, part of one of the reasons that like, I don't know we I think we're all just, you know, Foodieism has become a thing. <laughs> it, really, it really is. Uh, Instagram, social media. Oh Top Chef God. helped, honestly. Top oh, Chef helped yeah, a lot. No. I mean, all of the food. I don't know if you saw Padma's uh, new show on uh, on uh, Hulu. If you have not, you should. You should. I haven't it seen it. I, I heard that she had a show, but uh, okay, I'll watch it. Yeah, I'm trying to Start catch up. There's a million shows. She kicks it off in El Paso. It's pretty amazing. Really? Oh, yep. that's awesome. That's awesome. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> they love Texas. In fact, um, I've had a lot of friends on Top Chef, to be frank with you. It's Texas is the most pooled like talent, like the talent pool. They come to Texas. Yeah. I mean, I would say more than half of their contestants have come out of Texas. That's so, so yeah, they, they yeah. just love Texas, uh, especially. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, no, that's great. So That's good. great. Thank you again so much for, for mm -hmm. having me and for being interested in, in Supermajority and the work that we're doing. And um, yeah, just it's excited. amazing. If we have a chance on the platform to do something that's good, why wouldn't we do it? I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, it absolutely makes the most sense. It, it almost feels like it's our responsibility, to be mm -hmm. frank with you. Well, so. that's incredible. Thank you. Appreciate you. For, no, thank you. Know, you. Using your time and voice. Um, to to support the issues that matter in this very critical time. Oh, that's awesome. And thank you for taking the time. Uh, we really do appreciate it. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your uh, day and enjoy the 4th of July weekend. Yeah, you do the same. Good to talk right. to you. Thanks so much you again. Too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at patrick at texasrealfood.com. And don't forget, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts, you'll, you'll find us on there. Or you can just go to our website, go to the lonestarplate.com. And you can check us out on YouTube if you want to watch it. You know, we video these, now, you know, on a little webcam here and go to the Texas Real Food YouTube channel and you can find it there. Make sure to follow uh, Texas Real Food as well on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe. Um, and if you, you know, are so inclined, please leave us a review anywhere you can. You know, follow us on Spotify or leave a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, that would really help us out. Thanks again for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, without you guys, we will, you know, what's the point of doing this? So if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better, please let us know. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Wash your hands.